Have you wondered how other countries approach childbirth? What does modern maternity care look like in other developed nations? Karen Shopoff-Ruff joins Bellies to Birthcast to discuss her experiences with the differences between the UK and US maternity systems, switching providers late in pregnancy, and how common complications can successfully be handled during a home birth. Welcome to Bellies to Birthcast, available whenever and wherever you want at givingbirthnaturally.com, the evidence-based guide to giving birth naturally. Our expert interviews, helpful tips, and inspirational stories will guide you through the pinnacles and pitfalls of pregnancy and childbirth so you can make informed decisions for your family. I'm your host, Katherine Beyer. You are listening to Bellies to Birthcast for the week of December 15th. First of all, welcome, Karen. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks very much. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What's it like to give birth in the UK? What are the primary differences between the two systems? Well, in the UK, midwifery is the standard of care. Uh, a pregnant woman would not go and even see an obstetrician unless she was high risk to begin with or having some sort of uh, complication later in the pregnancy that the midwives identified and then uh, felt that she needed to be seen by a specialist. The obstetrician is really seen as a specialist rather than as the primary caregiver for a pregnant woman. Now, what were the ultimate reasons you chose to give birth at home with your second child? Well, we had such a positive experience with the midwives in London. Our first son was born at a freestanding birth center um, with a private group of midwives. And we were really seeking the same type of experience that we had, which was very personal, very peaceful, and very calm and um, trying to seek out the normal in birth rather than the, uh, I don't know, exciting um, sort of TV-esque drama that pervades so much of American culture. I know exactly what you mean. Now, when you were pursuing this decision, what role did your husband play? Was he immediately supportive? He's absolutely supportive of um, thinking of using midwives. There was no question that we would use midwives with our second pregnancy. He was less quick to come to the idea of a home birth, I think, mostly because our first experience was in a freestanding birth center. That facility was located immediately adjacent to a hospital, thereby making transfer very, very easy. However, the options for doing that in our new home in Austin, to transfer from a birth center would have really been a more difficult transfer than from home. And so the appeal of having it at a birth center was really just vanished. It wasn't an option. And at the time, there was no midwifery option in hospital. So that really left us with the idea of home birth and did our research and just decided that that was really the best thing for our baby, for me, and then ultimately for him as well because he was concerned about us. But he's very supportive the entire way, uh, the, the entire pregnancy. And in the end, he's spoken to more than one of my friends husbands in the two and a half years since and has become a complete home birth advocate and really recognizes now, having seen firsthand the benefits, um, why it can work really well for other people. It's amazing how that happens. You started on the fence and then oh, yeah. once you've had that experience, you oh. can't compare. No, no. And I think that's that the other thing from the husband's point of view is 
with respect to midwifery and, you know, very strongly in home birth because the child's also being born in the husband's home as well, is that they're, they're centrally involved. They're not, you know, a sort of cast-aside role player. They're, they're very much a, a strongly supporting figure. And I think that really begins their relationship with their child on such a much stronger base than, you know, the old model of dad wandering the hallway. I absolutely agree. They sometimes feel like an accessory yes. in the hospital or birth center. There's so many other people that kind of walk over them. In a home, it is definitely more of a central role. Right. As you were preparing for your home birth, you indicated previously that although you had found midwifery care here in the state, you ended up switching to a different midwife relatively late in the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. About 34 weeks. What were the primary reasons you felt the need to switch? We just had a personality conflict with the midwife, and it was something that very early on, um, well, part of it was that, that we weren't both on board with the home birth um, to begin with, and that sort of left us looking at what were the birth center options in town, and that really narrowed down our choices. And so we selected a midwife who we felt very comfortable with on a professional level, have absolutely no question about her professional competency, but didn't really click with her personally. Mm-hmm. And as the pregnancy progressed and it became more and more clear that we really wanted to do a home birth, it sort of became that question of, you know, if this isn't somebody that we'd be really excited about inviting over to our home for dinner, do we really want that person in our home for the birth of our child? And, you know, it's hard to say because and, and it was very, very difficult to phone her and tell her, you know, particularly at, at 34 weeks that, that we felt like we needed to make a change because it, obviously midwifery is a very personal profession as well. But I honestly think it was it's the most difficult thing that I've ever had to do in my life, but really probably one of my best decisions as well. It was one of those things that, you know, particularly because you early in pregnancy only see your care provider every four weeks. And then, you know, we'd talk about different things. I think, oh, well, that's not really what I am thinking. That's not really what I'm envisioning. But it kind of let it roll off my back. But then you start seeing them every two weeks, and those things were happening more frequently. And then it just got to the point where I was like, wait a minute. This this is still my birth. This is still my experience to have. I It's up to me to step up to the plate and sort of take control of the situation. Right. I think you've highlighted an excellent point, that you're your child's first advocate. Yeah. And you're advocating for who will be present and making sure that your wishes for that child will be respected. And if you don't right. have that kind of relationship with your care provider, you have to make that tough decision of, this is just not best for our family. Right. And then I also, you know, went through the, the ideas in my head of, if I'm not completely relaxed and allowed to do what I need to do, during the labor, this could wind up being a bad home birth story right. instead of a good one. And, you know, I think that I think it would have been very different had it been my first child and not my second. But, again, because I had such a positive experience, I had such a clear vision in my head of what I wanted, what I was aiming for, and as it became more clear to me that, that I didn't feel like that's what I was going to have as an option, I just needed to. I just needed to get out. I hear all too often women saying, well, I didn't want to step on toes or I didn't know how that would work. I didn't want to hurt feelings. Right. But ultimately, you recognize that yeah. tension and stress can negatively impact your labor. Oh, and I have no ill will at all towards this midwife. 
it just, you know, part of midwifery, such a strong part of midwifery and why I think it works so well is the personal connection. Mm-hmm. It's on building relationships. Exactly. And if that's not there, then in many ways, to me, that's just as important as, you know, whether they take insurance or not. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You need to form that foundation. Yeah. If it's not there, it might be with someone else. Most midwives do recognize that. Right. I hear that a lot from doulas as well, that if you don't click with a client, that's okay, yeah. because you might yeah. know someone else that would be perfect for them. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I did. I still have a relationship now with the midwife who I switched to that's been it's very positive. So definitely in the long run, it was very difficult, but very worthwhile. Now, what other types of challenges you faced as you started preparing for your home birth? Did you have any other obstacles to work through, like insurance coverage? Oh, absolutely. Insurance is always a nightmare when dealing with midwifery, unfortunately. That's a whole other hot-button issue, though. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I here I was, I had two care providers with two completely different payment structures. In the end, I wound up paying hugely out of pocket um, for my home birth because of my switch. But really, you know, in the long run of uh, my child's existence, you know, how much it costs to get them into this world is just a drop in the bucket, so... Absolutely. I can't can't lose too much sleep over it. I consider it a really good investment. So if you had stayed with First Midwife, would care have been covered? Well, yes, a a higher level of care would have been covered because she she is a certified nurse midwife as opposed to the midwife who actually attended the labor and delivery is a lay midwife. Mm -hmm. And my insurance coverage is slightly different. Right. Um, for the for that. And then my uh the first midwife that I used had built into her contract administrative fees based on how long you were with practice that were non refundable. Hundred dollars a month that I had been with her. So it was seven hundred, eight hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Again, thank God I'm in a position to say it's only money. But I truly believe that. That you just have to say there are some things in life that are worth paying for. And right. Money can be fun. replaced. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we will cut back in other places, but, you know, good health good health care is really not negotiable as far as I'm concerned. I completely agree. Now, in terms of preparing for both births, how do the systems compare between the U.K. and the U.S.? Well, honestly, our prenatal preparation for our first child in London was part of what made our experience so fantastic. Uh, there is a group in England called the National Childbirth Trust, And they run fantastic antenatal courses. Uh, Eight weeks, you meet one hour or two hours once a week for eight weeks with a group. You go through all the sort of basics of pregnancy, childbirth, what to expect postpartum, how your lives are going to change, all of this. But what's so amazing about uh, the NCT classes is that the instructors are really charged in a very positive way with creating community out of the classes. And our group was is still so strongly bonded from those classes that we actually went back to London this summer to have a joint fifth birthday party with the nine other kids who were born with my first son. That's incredible. It's incredible. And I honestly say that that the midwife who ran those classes was the head of the midwifery consortium that we used. She wasn't at my son's birth, but two of her other midwives were there. But the power that they that they instill in the process of giving birth and having support and 
creating a community out of all of these other new parents is really unparalleled. And for us, I mean, it's very cliche and cheesy to say, but it was absolutely life-changing. And so in that way, we felt, we felt extremely well-prepared for our second son's birth, for the home birth, because what she had taught in our first set of classes in London was just so meaningful and had stuck with us so well that I, mean, I think a lot about how my life would be different had we not been living in London and had my first child not been born there and we hadn't ever used midwives and hadn't ever found this NCT class because it's really been life-changing for us. And I think one of the things you hit on there, too, is how much preparation is a part of how your birth experience go and how oh, absolutely. your later views are, are on how everything went. Absolutely. Uh, it's completely common for women to skip the classes. Right. That's just mind-boggling to me. And they definitely don't come out with the story that you have. Well, right. Well, then they, they allow it to happen to them rather than being an active participant. And really, frankly, what is the most important thing you're ever going to do in life? I completely agree. I don't. I, I. I. understand. I don't. I don't understand either. <laughs> now that we've talked a little bit about your preparation and care options, did you take any other courses or preparation for your second birth, or did you feel that just had such a wonderful training from your experience in London that you were well prepared for a home birth as well? Well, I didn't take any special courses, but really, once you have one great birth experience, you really become kind of like a birth junkie, and you read all the birth stories you can, and you quit watching all the birth shows on television because they're just frightening and scary and so far out of the realm of normal that they make me irritated to even know they're on. And, you know, I, I have surrounded myself you know, I can't say completely unknowingly because it's, it's self-selection in, in finding your group of friends, but my group of my closest friends are all home birthers, which I think is a very strong statement that something that even though we're very different politically, we're very different socioeconomically, that I guess the bond or the, the shared experience that we have had by doing a home birth has really brought us together on on other levels as well. I completely see exactly what you're talking about, that childbirth choices are just such a basic part of who you are that they do, in a sense, define you. Mm-hmm. Even though you can be so different in other arenas, mm-hmm. that is just a common thread that can take over in relationships so that, like you said, even though it's maybe not intentional, those are the people that you're gravitating toward because it is right. such an important part of your life. Right. And I find it very interesting as well because... Because of the, the necessity of the father being on board with the whole idea of a home birth, that we get along very well with the couples as well. You know how difficult it is to like meet couples who all four people get along? We don't have that problem with sort of our, our friends who have home birth. And I don't know, I'm not a, a psychologist, I, don't, I can't explain why that happens, but I do think that there is some sort of like base understanding that goes on. And, uh, you know, it allows you to relate to people. Absolutely. Now, you've indicated that you do have a pretty wide group of friends that are home birthers. When you were first planning your home birth, did you encounter any resistance from other friends, family members? Um, We had a lot of concern from family members uh, who I think understood that while we chose to have midwives in the U.K. because sort of that's the way that it does there, they didn't really understand why we didn't do it 
in a hospital here because that's the way it's done here. Um, and basically what we did is I went through and from all the research that I'd done um, online, collected a whole list of links and articles and put them in a big Word document and just sent them to people, partly um, in a defensive stance to say, you know, we didn't just choose to do this, piss you off. Um, but we've actually, you know, researched it and thought about it and think it's a really good idea. Um, but also, you know, because rather than just being defensive and saying, hey, we researched it, to really try to educate them as well. And as I've had friends in the last few years um, sort of turn to me to say, hey, you had a home birth. I'm kind of thinking about it, but, you know, my husband's not really sure. It's been awesome because I've been able to say, hey, I have this Word document with all these Internet links on it, everything from, like, WebMD to the British Journal of Medicine to, you know, this and that, that says home birth is an incredibly safe option. Home birth is, you know, I, it's aimed to be the standard of care in many countries around the world. Um, this isn't, you know, people out in the woods beating on drums and we're going to send you a carrier pigeon when the baby is born. Um, so it's been, you know, a sort of ongoing type of education. And I think in a lot of ways that's been the most exciting part to me is that, you know, we didn't just have a good experience, but maybe some other people have learned from it as well. And who knows what kind of experience they're going to have now that they wouldn't have even considered before. You never know how many lives that will touch by being yeah. able to share that story with others. Yeah. Uh, the common knowledge in this country is home birth is for the experience. They're not realizing that this decision is based on what the research is really saying, that home birth is a safe option. Yeah. Yeah, well, in fact, now, if you are a pregnant woman in the U.K. and you're on the National Health Service, you're having a home birth has to be presented to you as a viable option. And if you have no risk factors, has to be presented to you as the preferred option. And, you know, it's not about saving money because it's a lot more expensive for people to go to your house than, you know, for you to come to them. Right. In the long run, it might save money, in, at least in this country, in terms of, the number of interventions. Oh, well, absolutely. The reason that a midwife in Austin can charge $1,900 for every single prenatal visit, six postnatal visits, and the labor and delivery, and that's like the price of an aspirin in the hospital. You know, and they're with you the entire time. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, like I said, that's another hot button issue for me. <laughs> now tell a little bit about how you prepared in the event an emergency did arise. What steps did you take to prepare in case something were to happen? You'd already indicated that transfer wasn't as easy of an option as it would have been in London? Well, we know that we are about two and a half miles from our class's hospital. And honestly, to call 911 and get an ambulance transfer to a hospital two and a half miles away, I figure is very, very close to the same amount of time it would take you to be transferred within the hospital up to an emergency situation and have the team ready and everybody there. So it really became almost a wash in terms of timing. Um, we I had a friend who came over and spent the night with my older son, and um, you know she knew that she was going to be able to be there for the duration of the delivery. And um, honestly, I had complete faith in um, my midwife to do what needed to be done and to um, make the appropriate decisions at the appropriate times and. One of the things that I think that people don't understand about midwifery, because there's so much talk about emergencies, is 
the greatest benefit in my mind to having a midwife is that you have somebody with whom you've established a relationship who understands behavior and your type of um, thinking, and she is with you from very, very early on in labor and as such can identify any potential problems very early on before they become an emergency. And that, I think, is priceless. That is the greatest insurance policy, that many of the complications that can arise and that are dangerous can only be identified by physically being with a woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The nurses down the hall. And I think that that's that's really something I try to tell people a lot who are considering midwifery but are focusing more on the emergency aspect is that the reason that midwifery is so successful and that home births have such positive outcomes is because if problems arise, the midwife is there to take care of them and either deal with them in an appropriate way and stop the problem from escalating, or she's there to take appropriate action and transfer you before the situation becomes an emergency. Absolutely. It's not, uh-oh, here's an emergency on our hands, it's let's prevent, prevent, prevent. Exactly. But we have nothing left to treat. Yeah, yeah. Now tell us a little bit about your birth, being an emergency arise. It was, I don't know if I call it an emergency, I definitely call it a complication in the my labor was incredibly, incredibly fast, which, as an aside, people think is fantastic. However, I'm not really an advocate of a crazy fast labor because it's kind of like trying to hop on a freight train while it's already moving. Um, however, my, I, I was contracting quite regularly um, and was obviously I was going through a transition. It became time push as I was pushing, um, and the midwife was monitoring um, my baby's heart rate there were some pretty significant decelerations in my baby's heart rate for two straight contractions and pushing. And her incredible calm through the situation was so confidence-inspiring to me. Even as we were going through it, he, my husband, I was, I was bursting in a water pool in my living room, and my husband was in the pool behind me. And I could see after the first time that she took the reading, she turned to her apprentice and you know, noted that was a significant acceleration. We'll need to monitor again on the next contraction. She did, and she looked and told the uh, apprentice what the reading was. And then she took my hands in her hands, and she looked at me, and she said, I need you to take a deep breath, send a lot of love, I'm going to cry, down to your baby, and then push your baby out. Time for your baby to be born. And she motioned to the apprentice to get the neonatal oxygen. And, you know, I looked at her, and my husband was supporting me from behind, and my son was born on the neck contraction. And it was, it was incredibly peaceful. She gave him oxygen. Didn't really need it, it turned out. Um, but I was glad it was there. She was prepared. He took it. Um, he cried within 10 seconds. It always seems like ever. But I had another friend who was there, a photographer, and she was taking pictures. And in hindsight, it was really interesting because my friend, who I know very well, home birther herself, said that it was one of the most amazing things that she's ever seen because the midwife was so calm and so peaceful, and there was never a sense of, oh, my God, what are we going to do? You know, there was no scary music playing in the background, none of that. She looked at me. She told me what needed to happen. I believed in my ability to birth my baby, and he came out, and he's perfectly fine. In fact... He's a little bit crazy. He's two now. He's everywhere. But 
I, I really am afraid to think of what would have happened had I been in a hospital. Take the opposite situation with my first son in a birth center. I pushed him for very close, just under three hours, which never would have been allowed in a U.S. hospital. And so I look at my two situations, one where I had a really long pushing stage and one where I had a very, very short pushing stage, and I think neither of them. I would, I would not have been allowed to birth my child in either of those situations in a hospital, I don't think. Mm-hmm. However, they're both perfectly normal. I'm perfectly fine. I didn't tear with either of them. I can't think of a better outcome. No, absolutely not. You know, the first thing that came to my mind is that in a hospital, if we're looking at late cells like that, you're almost certainly going to get either forceps or episiotomy mm-hmm. mm-hmm. extraction, something to make sure that we get that baby out right away. Right now. Right. When your midwife was able to tell you what needed to happen, that yes. panic factor wasn't there. No, not at all. And, you know, it's hard It's hard to say what would have happened had it gone on, you know, another three minutes or another two sets of contractions if I hadn't been able to do it. But, you know, he was he was there. He was ready to be born. He needed to be born. And frankly, this is also another funny thing that I've sort of discovered in hindsight. That's who he is. He's a drama kid. He's all about causing a ruckus. Where my first child, who didn't, you know, took nearly three hours to shout, and that was the most incredible, calm, peaceful birth where I'm, like, laughing and making jokes through the whole thing. This is really, like, sensitive, calm, quiet. And, you know, I don't want to read too much into it, but it is very interesting. <laughs> it's interesting how they let us know who they are. Oh, my gosh. From the very beginning. Oh, yeah. So now in retrospect, you have that experience of having a home birth versus that birthing center. What were the foremost benefits in your mind of birthing at home? All of it. I, I mean, it's hard to say because it's so interconnected. Um, I think probably the, the foremost benefit would be that I was able to birth in my own home, be very relaxed, and have somebody attending to the birth who believed in my ability to birth my child. I would say another huge benefit is even though my older son was not quite three years old, he's grown up with the idea that having a baby at home is normal. And that's how babies are born. And part of why I think that God gave me boys is that I can do a lot of work for the feminist movement by teaching them about things that women need and women want. And, um, you know, having them see that as men, they get very involved. They can get very involved in the birth of their children, become very close to their children if they're included. Absolutely. You've raised another important issue that by raising boys so that they're accustomed to birth, they realize what the role is. Right. And, you know, the, the other thing was my um, my home birth baby was born overnight. And I said that I had my friend who was staying with my son. First time in his life, he slept all night long. And he was six weeks shy of three years old. So it was a monumental night. He clearly knew there was something going on. He needed to sleep. Um, but he woke up at his regular 6 o'clock in the morning or whatever, and he woke up and said, oh, my baby's here. And it was as if, you know, he just got this present overnight. There was no, you know, the baby was born into the home, into the family. It was seamless. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to tell, you know, what he'll, what he'll remember about that. He thinks he has a lot of memories. We look at the pictures a lot. But growing up with that as an idea of normal, I think, is going to be incredibly powerful for him. 
Absolutely. Now, if you were to have another child, would you make different decisions the next time? Would you choose a home birth? No, I would absolutely have another home birth. You know, the only way I wouldn't is if I had some real medical need that would put me or my child at risk. Honestly, and I tell people this all the time, I can't imagine having to go through labor and delivering a child and not be in a nice warm tub of water because both of my kids have been water birth. Mm-hmm. And I just can't imagine like telling, having somebody tell me to lay down. Or someone to tell you what to do. Right, or when, when I had to push. Because frankly, it was rather clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that it becomes um, the, the really good midwives have, they know how to dance. And they know when to talk and they know when to sit there. Mm-hmm. And that's, They know that mostly it's the job of watching and waiting. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd absolutely, absolutely. not planning to have another child, but if it would happen, it would be born at home. Although my husband says he's going to be devastated when we have to sell our house, you know, in 30 years. It'd be hard to leave a place your child's been born in. Absolutely. What is the one piece of takeaway advice that you'd like to share with other women who are considering home birth, who might be on the fence, who are just exploring their options during their pregnancies? What would you say to them? I would tell them to do their research, to find a care provider that they feel comfortable with on a personal and professional level, and then you just you make the decision the little voice in your head tells you to make, and that I believe in it. I believe in, you know, everybody has a conscience. And if there's one time in your life, listen to your conscience, this is a really good time. And that it's hard because our society does not embrace this option. Our society does not make it very easy to choose home birth. But if that's what you believe is the best choice for you, there are people out there who will support you. And it's not too hard to find them once you go start to look. There's always a way. There is always a way. And, you know, like I said, this is this is going to be one of the most important days of your life, both for you and your child. And to give it less attention than it deserves is really selling a whole lot of you short, your whole family. Thank you so much, Karen, for being with us today. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we go? appreciate the time you've taken away from your boys to be with us. No, I just hope that more people understand that home birth is a safe and viable option, and that it's an incredibly peaceful and powerful way to grow your family. Well, I hope that they will. Again, thank you so much, Karen, for being with us today. You're welcome. On the next episode of Bellies to Birthcast, join us as we talk to other mothers who chose home birth.